What's up, everybody? It's the District Church Podcast. This is Travis Roberts. <laughs> Here with Matt Cantrell. <laughs> uh, I don't even know where to go from there. Um, this is that's actually not Travis. If you if you didn't pick that up, tricked you guys. It's Brady. This week, um, this is the second time that we have an ad read for you. Um, and then we're sponsored by the same exact group as, uh, as the last time that Brady was on. This podcast is brought to you by brothers in law. When brothers, specifically your brother ditches town to go to some church conference. Yeah. He just leaves. He just gets out of, just gets out of Dodge. And then he always expects me to be here to clean up his messes. Yeah. Like gas ain't free (laughs) this week. We have uh, a special guest slash guest host. I don't even know what we would call you at this point. Oh, man. Thank Just you. Special. B- that I appreciate that. Spe- <laughs> yeah. Definitely you're special. We Thanks, have uh, who I, the, the man that I like to uh, affectionately refer to as Bible Boy Brady. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, man? Yep. He gave me that nickname. I don't know why. But not self-proclaimed. That's given to me by Matt. Yes. This is not a, it's not a name that you came up with on your own. I actually asked Brady if he had, if he could have another name yesterday, and his answer was, laser or, I think Gary. You, I think you said ice maker. What was your <laughs> other name? Well, we were going off of cool nicknames, and yeah. I thought ice maker sounded cool. Ice maker, <laughs> always, <laughs> just always making that ice. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Brady, Literally. thanks for, thanks for being on again. Uh, appreciate it. How are you doing, man? Good. Yeah, good. It's, uh, always fun to hop on the podcast. It's a little uncomfortable for me. I'll be honest with you. I don't like, like being recorded. It feels weird. Like I, I can have a conversation with you just fine, but knowing that there's going to be people out there listening to it. Yeah. Makes me a little nervous to be honest, Matt. Yeah. Don't say anything too wild. Okay, I can't promise that, but <laughs> um, it's appropriate that we have Bible Boy Brady on. Just Please should we stop. give him, should we give background <laughs> on that? Um, I have a there's there's an an application that you can download on an iPad called eSword, or or a MacBook called eSword. It's got uh, a lot of different tools on it. You can access commentaries, lexicons, dictionaries. Um, you can look at different Bible versions. So. Um, so I set Brady up with with my eSword account, but he had to create a different name. So he has to go onto his computer, back out of his own login that says his name, and he has to type in uh, a password for Bible Boy Brady. Bible Boy Brady. <laughs> so he's got to look at it every time he wants to. And I feel like somebody recently asked me for my password on something, and I had to tell them it's Bible, it's Bible Boy Brady. <laughs> Is that right? The yeah. name, the account is Bible Boy Brady yeah. and the password yeah, and is the Bible. password. <laughs> so it really made me feel silly <laughs> that they were thinking, oh, he made his password Bible Boy Brady. <laughs> so if you get an opportunity uh, in the coming days and weeks, just make sure to let Brady know that you know his real self-identified nickname is Bible Boy Brady. Yeah, please don't do that. AKA the ice maker. <laughs> uh, but it's really appropriate that we have Bible Boy Brady on this week. Um, we're going to go back 
uh, to not this last yesterday's sermon, but a week ago when we asked the question as we were pursuing the uh, Explore God series, is the Bible reliable? Um, which I think mm. is something that, that you and I, Bible Boy, I can't just, I'll just call you Brady from yeah, now on. Be rad. Uh, something that, that you and I, I think, kind of nerd out with, and obviously Travis nerded out with it as well. Um, if you didn't get a listen to the to the sermon, uh, if you go on Facebook or YouTube, um, I'm not so good at, at being the person who's putting podcasts up. So I would say I will link the the sermon, but if I don't, you have fingers in an internet connection. You can find it. Yeah, you YouTube. got it, but I, I'll do it for you maybe. Um, but but we kind of nerded out for a little a little while and, and just asked the question: Is the Bible reliable? Which I think is a <clears throat> I think is a legitimate question. We got to sit down um, on Monday with with the youth hub, and we've kind of been readdressing the sermon topics and kind of ha- trying to have conversations with the teenagers that we've got at our church. Um, and, and I thought this was a really really cool topic. I don't know if they thought it was a cool topic, but the the question that I put out was like, do you do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? And I said, don't raise your hand because I don't. Some of you guys will just raise your hand because other people have raised their hands. But the question or the the challenge that I put before before them was um, was how do you know? Which is kind of what we did this last week. So the illustration I used with them is uh, if I said I can fly and I climbed, if I told you I can fly and you just blindly agreed. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, then you would not be doing your due diligence. Mm-hmm. You should tell me, prove it. Mm-hmm. Or inversely, if I said I can fly and you told me, no, you can't. G- granted that probably you've got some, some better reasons for that. Um, you, you still would not know 100% unless you said, show me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the attitude um, that I think is appropriate even when we when we come to Scripture. It's like, all right, we believe this is the Word of God. How do we know it? So we talked about uh, some different, <clears throat> excuse me, some different accusations against the Bible where people say it's, it's not reliable, um, it's changed over time, it contradicts itself, excuse me, it's been translated, like we have all played the game, the telephone game, where it starts with one person and you say something very simple, and then it comes around to the final person and it's unrecognizable. Like that's kind of the accusation against the Bible. I think Travis did a really good job. Um, even as he admitted himself, like we could talk about this for hours, just even pointing to the difference, uh, the different reasons why the Bible is trustworthy. But he talked about how it's the Bible is textually accurate. Um, there's a, a, a critical approach to Scripture that is not placed on any other um, manuscript piece of art or even a uh, human character in history. Like there's this fun, maybe fun's not the right word, but there is a, it's fun for me exercise where you look at somebody that may be critical of the Bible and you say, prove to me Napoleon. Can you prove Napoleon to me, Brady? Yeah. I can find his picture on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's a it's it's a good exercise because in order to prove that Napoleon existed and did what he did, which I'm not an expert in French history, so I'll leave it there. I know he was short. 
you have to reference other things. You have to go, well, I read a history book, and then I can say, well, how do you know that the history book is right? And you go, well, people that were like near him, and I go, well, how do you know that those people weren't lying about something? It's the same yeah. sort of, uh, of critiques that we put against the Bible. They're impossible to yeah. answer. Yeah, and I've always heard, uh, I remember being at Ozark Christian College and learning about the Bible, and what you find out from people who put a lot of faith in the Bible is, the Bible is actually put to a much higher standard of textual mm-hmm. criticism than a lot of those other ancient texts. Yeah. You know, and I, honestly, I get it. Like people read the Bible and they're like, wait a minute. You want me to believe that a man was swallowed by a giant fish mm-hmm. and and survived three days? And then, you know, like, or that this man raised his staff up in the air and the Red Sea parted into two walls. You know, like, like you hear things that are in there that are fantastic and unbelievable. Um, so you're, you're of course, most people, it's like you're saying, most mm-hmm. people are going to be like, okay, I'm not going to believe that unless you show me some evidence that, that, that we can r- rely on this. Yeah. And the point is like, wait a minute, it's just as reliable, if not way more reliable than all those other books that we yeah. don't even question. <laughs> yes. Yes. Significantly more reliable. Um, just even the, in, in the, the, the copying of of the of scripture we talked about on Sunday, um, the the scribes process and it's just a in part it's a hilarious image. It's like they had to do years and years of training, had to memorize all of scripture, had to do these things. My favorite is every time that they got to the word Yahweh, the name of God, they had to go bathe themselves. Mm-hmm. And just the thought of like you read some Travis talked about the Psalms, but if you go in the Old Testament, there are passages where it's like the Lord God multiple times in a single verse every time they had to, they they were going to write it they had to go take a bath so i love the idea of some guy coming up and writing yahweh and then being like gosh i gotta go again <laughs> and running down mm. um but yeah even we use this chart from the book um evidence that demands a verdict by josh mcdowell if you even google it um you'll find this wild chart just of of um how the new testament specifically is so much more accurate and so there's so many more copies just in in, in um, number than any other old older book uh, which is pretty pretty bananas um, we talked about the archaeological evidence just that uh, continuously as as uh, archaeologists are going and they're 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 digging up new areas they're doing digs we're just finding more and more things that that prove what the Bible uh, has claimed that people in the past have have said uh, are hard to believe or are inaccurate and have stood on those and staked a claim and said this is why the Bible is not true. We talked about all the different extra-biblical sources that quote the Bible, not Christians necessarily, people who don't like, uh, didn't like Christians, who actually wanted to see Christians eradicated in a lot of areas were, were quoting the Bible. Um, we also, we talked about a number of things. I think it's interesting that there's the outlandish, so to speak, like the, the hard to believe things that you just mentioned, but I think that they make us not want to say the Bible is accurate. I think there's also, well, I believe very strongly there's actually, there, there's the part of it where the Bible calls us to repentance. It tells, the Bible tells us that we are not enough in and of ourselves that we are running away from God. And that in itself is enough reason, I think, for people to deny the Bible mm-hmm. a lot of times because it says I'm not what I should be. Yeah. So we look for ways 
to to get to to walk away from it. Yeah. But all that being said, we could, as Travis said, as we have already said, we could spend a lot of time just poking through the the factual evidence that proves that that scripture is reliable and even the the fact that that it is the word of God. But the part that I want us to talk about today is this text where we landed last week. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul, in talking about Scripture, he says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for training, rebuking, correcting, and I think I said uh, training before, teaching and, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This passage is, is really cool um, in that it, it talks about how, how trustworthy Scripture is, where it came from, but it also puts some legs to this, this reality that Scripture is trustworthy. And the, and the question is, if we, believe what, if, we, if we believe that the Bible is trustworthy, if we believe that it is inspired, what do we do with it? What should we do with it? So maybe this is this is a little bit of a, a softball question for you, Brady, but as you process through all scripture is God breathed, we have the facts that this is trustworthy, um, that it is from God himself. Maybe you can speak into uh, what should we do with it? Yeah. Well, I mean, the question that I that comes to my brain, like after we have all of this great information that Travis provided a few weeks ago about the Bible. One thing that he's, that really sticks out to me that he said multiple times in the sermon was we don't realize what we have in this book. And, and if we did realize what we had, if we really, like you're saying, believed the words that are in the Bible, then I think we would prioritize it a lot more, you know, but I think I've I've seen a statistic, and this goes for all of us. I'm not trying to like say you specifically, whoever you are listening to this podcast, but I could probably guarantee that there's you know a handful of us that would agree with this that we don't read the Bible enough. That that like I think like I saw some statistic like eight percent of confessing Christians read the Bible or something like that. Mm. Maybe it's smaller than that. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if you know the the stat I'm talking about. But it's, but it's like, it's very small and that kind of feels like it lines up with conversations that I've had with people. A lot of times, even some, you know, the people that we, we go to church with, you know, people have been honest and say, yeah, I, I, I believe everything. I just have a really hard time reading the Bible. And that's, that's true for so many people. It's like, we're busy. We've got lives. We've got kids. We've got ambitions and we believe all these things about Jesus and we're like truly submitted to him and all that stuff. But we just have a really hard time with the discipline of sitting down and reading the Bible, you know? And, um, and I guess (laughs) to answer your question, what should we do with it? My answer is read it and give as much time as you can to it and, and not just read it, but it's like, it's like, Travis was talking about it's like we have to have a relationship with it where we're not just like reading the words on the page for a little bit but we're like actually consuming it to where we are contemplating the words deep in our heart Mm -hmm. (laughs) to where they can actually impact 
our day, you know, but we're, many of us are far from that because we're, we have a hard time even just reading it. And I want to say, first off, it's hard, you know, it's, it's written thousands and thousands of years ago to a much different culture and time and people. And so every, it just feels like a, a foreign language. Um, but because it was written in a foreign language. Yeah. Like span, what was it? Spanish? <laughs> I'm just kidding. In the Hebrew language and the Greek language. And, um, anyway, I guess, you know, to answer your question, you know, like we should read it. And then I guess the, the next question is how can we be more disciplined about reading it when we don't feel like reading it? I don't know. You know, like, cause I just know that that's, True for a lot of people, if those of you who are listening would be honest, I bet you would say, yeah, I have a hard time like regular reading the Bible. But that's, you know, like in your seasons of, you know, you need to read the Bible, but you are busy or you just, I don't know, like I'll be honest with you. Um, I've always kind of craved it. And I, I praise God for that. I'm not saying, hey, look at me. Good for me. You know, I feel like God has given me like a craving for God's word where you know, there have been seasons of my life where I was like, I have to sit down and read the Bible because it's this checklist thing. You know, I've got to check the list, check the box on my list, on my to-do list. But I, I can honestly say I've, I'm in a point of my life where I really do crave to sit down and read the Bible. There's something so that refreshes me when I read the words. I read like one psalm this morning. I read Psalm 33. It was very, very short. I didn't have this long, quiet time. But I sat down and read it and like, multiple lines stood out to me and I could literally feel myself while I was reading it, like take this deep breath, like, wow. Like it literally gives me sometimes more oxygen in my lungs when I read scripture, but I know that not everybody feels that way. And so I guess that's, you know, how can we get ourselves to a point of, you know, I want to crave it. I want to, I want to want to read the Bible. I don't want to just look at it and think, I just don't have time to do that. Like I've got all kinds of stuff to worry about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I have a, I have a question for you as someone who craves is, is hungry and thirsty for scripture. Just to quote, uh, Psalm 42, the psalmist says like, uh, like a deer pants for the, the water brooks. My God, I, I pant for you. I am thirsty for, for your words, basically. Um, that sounds like that's a good representation of, of how you feel about scripture. Um, has that always been the case for you? You grew up at you I mean, you're a PK. You grew up around, uh, around the church, in the church. Like, has that, you started walking and then you were like, hand me Job. Yeah, when I was like second grade. Give me the Proverbs. <laughs> I need wisdom now. Like what? No, well, from my personal experience, I remember... Like I remember going to like summer camp just when I was talking about like conversion. I remember being at King Solomon Christian camp in like the second grade and hearing about hell and being like, oh, shoot, I don't want to go to hell. Mm -hmm. I want to get baptized and have communion and all that stuff. But then, you know, my walk started and I actually I think maybe in junior high I started reading and then I kind of went through a phase in high school where I was a, a knucklehead and. Didn't Part, care about the Bible. Party boy Brady, not party boy, not Bible boy Brady. Yeah. And um, but then I had a roommate in college at OCC. His name was Levi Hutton, 
and he was a really good friend of mine. He was funny, kind of an oddball guy. He worked at Starbucks, I remember. So he would bring a pound of coffee home every weird every uh, weekend, and he would brew coffee and t- and ask me if I wanted to wake up and read scripture with him, like not even read the same thing, but just read the Bible together. And that I I look back, and that was like a moment for me that really clicked where it, and and I have to say like this I'm not proud of this but I feel like coffee is a big part of me enjoying the bible like it's a thing like and I know this is the same for a lot of people like you smell the coffee you drink the coffee you read the bible it's like this great combination that's why okay. you always wear those shirts that say <laughs> give me jesus and coffee yeah and I've got my sign right next to my coffee pot <laughs> <laughs> not not to shame this any of you bo- out there who have that but this boy runs <laughs> coffee in jesus i actually i actually like i've kind of been challenged by my buddy rusty to like try to like pump the brakes on some of those things that i lean against like i try not i try not to i try to hold off on brewing coffee until like, maybe i get into the word sometimes but cuz i i i realize that that's there but I'm just trying to give you a, a time point. Like in, in my college days, I started like having coffee and started reading the word. And it just became this thing that I loved doing every day. And I do believe that my craving for it started then. And I feel like I've gone through seasons where I didn't crave it as much. There's days when I don't. But for the most part, I feel like ever since then, it has been something that I've craved. So I don't know. I feel like there's probably something to that, you know, like. If you don't like waking up early, find a way to get up early. Or if you don't like to read the Bible, find something that will make it more appealing to you. Hmm. You know, getting a drink that you really like or finding a chair that you find really comfortable or a spot in your house or a, a coffee shop or a place that you like to be that might make it a little bit more appealing. That's yeah. probably a side note, but, you know. Yeah. Well, it sounds like something had to get the ball rolling for you. It's not that you by nature were like, I'm gonna, this sounds wonderful and I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Like having someone invite you into it was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use a word that I don't think is right. Inertia. Is that what it is? Oh uh, yeah. That's not a word. <laughs> like most things. I know it's a word. I just don't know what it means. But the idea, and if this is wrong, and you know physics or whatever, just leave me alone. Don't tell me. But the idea that it takes some momentum or effort in order to get something moving, right? I think by I think I think one reason that a lot of us have a difficulty with reading scripture. I think there's plenty of them, but I think one of them is that we don't just start sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we wait for the desire to do something and maybe that says something more about our culture or us individually or, or whatever, but like we almost are paralyzed until we, we feel authentically excited to go yeah. open the word of God. And you'll hear sometimes, and maybe we'll say this too sometimes, like I'm not going to do it until like I really feel it. You know, yeah. I know that'll please the Lord more. I remember right. like being a youth pastor and one kid I was challenging this kid to read the Bible and he was like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm waiting until I feel it, you know, like, cause I don't want to do it. Like I, you know, I, I know that Jesus said you honor me with your, your lips, but your heart is far from me. I don't mm-hmm. want to be that kind of guy. You know, I want to wait till it's genuine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I've heard that with, uh, not to swing into a totally different topic, but like the idea of, of giving financially to, to what God's doing. 
because Paul in Second Corinthians talks about how God loves a cheerful giver, and people will be like, I'm not cheerful about it, so I'm going to hold off until I'm cheerful. It's like, well, no, there's the sacrifice aspect of it, but I get there's there's also the part of like, I don't want to get so legalistic that I just wake up and I read my chapter or two. Just to check the box. And I did it. Yeah. But like, there's also a part of God, and you, you just even look at the, the Sermon on the Mount, or not Sermon on the Mount, excuse me, the Upper Room Discourse in John, I think 13 through 17. And repeatedly, Jesus says, this is how I know that you love me, is that you obey my commandments. Mm-hmm. I, I know that you are connected to me and connected to the Father if you know my commandments and obey them. And so there is an aspect of like, we don't want to be legalists. We don't want to be like, uh, Brady, you only read once. You got in the word once this last month. Oh my gosh. God doesn't approve of that. He's, he does not like you anymore. But like, there is an aspect of, they go into Romans 12 where Paul talks about like, this is your spiritual service of worship is lay your life down as a living sacrifice. Be renewed by the word of God. Yeah. It's a paraphrase. There is a part of like, there's a sacrifice aspect of following Jesus that is not to, to, to prove that we're, we're lovely because we're not, but to know him more. Like this is a, it's a sacrifice to love. Think of the word uh, agape in the Greek is a, it's a self-giving love. It's laying our lives down. You look like you were going to add something to that. Am I? Well, yeah, I just, that nails reading the Bible on the head. You know, and that's that's really where we all struggle to get to that place because for many of us, we feel a conviction to read the Bible because we know we should. Mm-hmm. But we haven't had that, like, I want to know God better, you know, like, yeah. because opening the Bible, you know, it is a book, but it's like Travis said, we just don't know what we hold when we when we have the words of God in our hands. It's like opening the Bible and reading the words is experiencing intimacy with God, you know? And I know it's, it's just not that simple, you know, like, cause you know, it's, you said it's hard to start. Mm-hmm. Like everybody wants to start. I know people who have started who've said, I want to read the Bible more and then they'll start, but then they won't feel anything. And they're like, well, dang it. You know, like, um, but it really is like reading the Bible. It's just like the spiritual disciplines are just, they're very similar to physical disciplines. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've worked out for a long time and I've gotten to a similar place in physical exercise. Like I genuinely like it and I don't like it when I don't do it, you know? But I remember there was a time in my life when I was just like, no, I'm not going to go today. Like I would pull up to the gym and be like, I'm not going to work out today. I don't feel like doing that. Get a donut instead. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, but you, you kind of, you get into that discipline of saying, I know I need this. And I know that there's going to be something really good about this for me. Mm-hmm. And just learning the discipline of taking the next step is part of that, you know, yeah. of really getting to the benefits of it, you know. Like yeah, there's you, a dis- there's a discipline aspect of it as well. The author of Hebrews talks about this in, I think, Hebrews 12, where he's where he's talking about endurance is for the is for discipline. Like that's how we we endure and walk in endurance in order to, like, one, we, we, we interact with the discipline of the father and know that that's how fathers treat their children is they have discipline because they love them. But there's also the aspect of learning discipline, learning to be a disciplined person. And there's discipline in getting in the word of God and, and actually 
actively enduring and actively resting and trusting in God rather than like just turning, turning brains off and, and, and just going as the wind blows us. Um, but that, that even speaks into like, um, something that comes to my mind. There's the first Psalm is, is one of the sweetest, um, passages in scripture in my opinion, um, or for me specifically, and there's the he just starts the psalmist. He says, "Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight, which is a that's a really cool word in this context, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night." And then he uses this illustration. He says, "The one who's who's meditating and whose delight is in the law of the Lord is like a tree planted next to a, a stream." is next to the river when an, this is written in an arid place where you see trees that are, are not connected to a water source and they struggle. They're not bearing fruit. And you see this tree next to a source of water that is continually flowing and you see a healthy tree. But he uses these two words, delight, which I think even the response for many of us may be like, well, I don't have delight when I open up the Bible right now, so I guess I should stray or I feel bad because of it which I don't think is, is I think it's a, an acquired taste a lot of time. The, the closer you get to Jesus, the more that you understand what he's saying in his word, like the more you're like, oh man, I need this, I want this. But also that word, meditate. And I think this goes, this flies in the face of our understanding of what meditation is in our society. Because a lot of times we think meditation, kind of influenced by like uh, Eastern thought, yoga, like all that where meditation is just kind of sitting and emptying ourselves mm-hmm. and letting the world just kind of like have its, have its way with our thought patterns. The word meditate here means to like you sit and you chew it over, like you mull it over. Um, so maybe you, can sp- you could speak into like the meditation of Scripture just as a practice for you as well. Mm-hmm. I can give you an example right now of what happened to me this morning. Oh, Bible Boy Brady is so. reaching for the Bible. <laughs> Typical. So I, I told you I read Psalm 33 this morning, um, and I you just you just like and for those for those people who would say like I know I need to read the Bible, but I did read it recently and I know the Bible pretty well, like I know what it says. There oh, I've, just re- oh, I've a, read it before. I've read it before. I know it pretty well. Like they would they would agree. They would be like, yeah, I know I need to read the Bible more. Everybody probably has that same thought. But I know that some people would say, well, I, I have read it and I do know it. So I don't feel like this super strong, like I need to keep reading it. Mm-hmm. Like, But there is, I mean, isn't it true that every time you read something and you can read books over and over and over again, it has the power because it is living and active mm-hmm. to some other part of it that you've read a hundred times stands out to you in a completely new way, you know, right? because of the spirit of God in you is just like stirring something new. Um, like every time you say, I'm not going to read it right now because I do know it and I don't need that right now. Like you're forfeiting the blessing yeah. of God saying something new to you yeah. from a passage that you've read a hundred times, a right. thousand times. Well, there's like, that second Timothy, all scripture is God breathed. It's, it's, it's God's breath that gave life to the, to the universe. And it's the same thing he's trying to do through his word to us. But go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Well, so meditating, so this is what happened to me this morning, and I would say happened to me because a lot of times when I'm reading the Bible and I'm not even prepared for it, like, God will, like, hit me with something, 
And then I kind of started meditating on these verses. This is Psalm 33, verse 20 through 22. Uh, he says, we wait in hope for the Lord. And a lot of times I'll just, I'll just say that line and I'll stop and think about it. We wait in hope for the Lord. And meditation is like, deep meditation is like, sometimes I'll read a lot of lines and I won't even be processing what I just read. I'm just reading lines mm -hmm. to read scripture. But stop and think about what you just said. We wait in hope for the Lord. And the truth is, that this is where I line my life up with the scriptures. Do me and Nicole and the Roberts family, do we wait and do we call the Lord our hope? Do we wait for him? Like, that's kind of a cheesy cliche thing to say. It's like a bumper sticker thing. Like, let go and let God, you know, trust God, you know, like. But what does it really practically mean on this Thursday morning, October 26th or whatever day this is? This is Monday. In the Oh, what? <laughs> this is oh, Monday man. when this comes out. Oh, You're doing right, what okay. I do, man. Sorry, dude. Sorry, everybody. Mess up the dates. You know what I mean. So, like... <laughs> We've got our business going on right now. Our kids are just in this crazy season of life. We've got money problems. We've got like house problems. We've got relational things going on where we're like arguing about things. Like our hope turns into something else through the day, right? Like today I just hope to get to bedtime when I can lay my kids down so I can sit on the couch with Nicole. Like mm -hmm. that's what I'm hoping for. And, and, but, but I know that people listening right now have different things going on that are way heavier than what I'm walking through even, you know, like, and, but our hope turns into things that are more like I want, my hope is that I can make enough money this week. You know, like my hope is that, this person will just leave me alone. My hope is that, um, I don't know, like just whatever this trial is that I'm walking through will just go away, you know, but, but those of us who walk with the Lord, our hope is in the Lord and we yield to everything going on in our lives. We yield to the Lord and we like, this is part of like, this is meditation. This is stopping and pausing with God. Like it's just, I'm going to, I feel anxious about this right now. I'm going to stop what I'm doing right now. Rather than like working on it, I'm going to stop and I'm going to say, God, I wait in hope for the Lord. You are my hope. He is our help and our shield. Verse, continuing verse 21. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And there's just something therapeutic about saying that. Like, I might not even 100% feel that or believe that all the way in my brain, in my heart. But there's something about, like, stopping what I'm doing. I'm going to put my phone away. I'm going to turn the TV off. I'm going to, like, I'm going to wake up 30 minutes earlier. I'm going to find a quiet spot. I'm going to tell my wife, hey, I need this 10 minutes or whatever. And, like, saying these words and, like, meditating on them even while you have those emotions going on and the circumstances that are going on in your world, there's something that even while you are going through heavy things that causes your heart, your soul to just feel this. Okay. My hope is in the Lord and he's not going anywhere and, and he's got me and 
I've got eternity. I've got Jesus. The cross happened. His resurrection happened. The things that I hear in scripture are real and true. And I can build my whole life on them. Like there's something about reminding yourself of that from these just couple of verses and meditating on them that makes you say, okay, like what I'm going through, it's not that bad. Like, you know, do you know, does that, does that yeah, make sense? Well, a thousand percent. Well, what you're giving us is an example of what it looks like to, to meditate on scripture and it's not to just blow through it. I think uh, a lot of times our, uh, our temptation is like, I don't know what's going on. And so if I just blow through it, I'll just consume it as information, which like we need to get context in order to understand scripture. I think uh, just as the church in general, I think we can do a lot better job of giving people context so we don't just cherry pick stuff. Um, but the, what you're giving us an example of is how do I meditate on this passage and not just run over it? Instead, it's slowing down and asking questions. So you read... Um, my hope is in the Lord or, or whatever specifically the verse says. And it's like, you can get really slow with that and really ask some questions. What does hope mean? Like that's one of those words. Every time I run across the word hope, I'm like, okay, I got to remind myself. What is a biblical um, definition of the word hope? Because mm-hmm. when I think of hope, a lot of times I'm thinking of something that is uh, more cultural than biblical. I'm thinking of hope as something that is like, when I really hope that, I can have this for lunch or for dinner. It's like, that's not what hope is. Mm -hmm. So what is hope? And what does it mean for my hope? Once I have the definition of like, hope is the assurance of things or faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Like hope is, is something far deeper than that. I know that it's coming. How do I realign myself in that? Then I, what does it mean to, it's what you're saying. How do what it's, it's asking these deeper and deeper questions. There's a, I think it's a Charles Spurgeon quote where he talks about how, he would rather sit on one verse rather than rather than how much did I read today? It's how deep did I did I read today? Because there's there's so much there and asking those questions like that's I've, I've harped on about this before, but like being a good friend as a follower of Jesus or just being a good friend in general it has to do with how well do you ask questions and how interested are you in the answers? Mm-hmm. I think it's the same way with scripture. I think there's a part of it is what you're saying is that we actually have to just stop and preach to ourselves mm-hmm. and we get so caught up in the, like the authentic and genuine. Well, how do I feel rather than being like, we don't apply that consistently to the rest of our lives. If I feel like going out and eating 20 cheeseburgers and then like punching whoever looks at me sideways, like I probably shouldn't do that. And I, and generally I'm, I'm preaching to my teeth, like talking to myself enough to say, this is a bad idea. I'm not going to do it. So the thought that we would take that like a different mentality to scripture and go, um, yeah, I see what it says. I just don't, ugh. that's rather than like submitting myself to it and going, no, I no this is the word of God. I've trusted that this is the word of God. I, I have enough trust in the Bible from what I've read, from what I've seen to, to the, the reliability of scripture based upon just the historical facts. I'm going to slow down and I'm going to say, maybe, maybe I don't stand on top of God's word. Maybe God's inspired word actually has more to say about me than I have to say about it. And then preaching to ourselves about it. This is, again, it's, it's, I think it's that, that Psalm 42 passage 
where he's actually, the psalmist is actually preaching to himself. He's asking this question. He says, oh my soul, why are you in despair? Why are you despondent? And then he reminds himself what God has done. Mm-hmm. I think we need to do that as well. And then, and then I think there's an aspect to it. Maybe this is jumping from what you were saying. But we also, in order to meditate on scripture, in order for, for us to truly like walk connected with what God's word says, and this isn't fun for a lot of us, is like slowing down and trying to memorize what God has said. Mm-hmm. We're a lot of us in this in this church are, are office fans and we can rattle off office quotes like crazy. Amen, brother. The rest of us don't like the office and are a little bit annoyed. Yeah, some of you guys are mean about it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's just the being mean is like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and we hate that. Um, but like, we, in order for us to live connected to what God says and to be able to to know how to interact with it, like it takes time, it takes discipline, it takes just sitting quietly and going, all right, so what is what has God said here and how can I remember it? There's this great illustration um, that is, is always in my brain for for the for for scripture and understanding what God says versus what the world says. And I'll butcher it a little bit, but, um, when you start working at the Department of Revenue, the Department of Revenue, something, no Treasury, Treasury, this. wherever there's, uh, you're working with like cold, hard cash. If you're supposed to be one of the investigators to be able to know what is authentic versus not authentic currency, what would you say the first, the first task is on your first day? If your job, Bible Boy Brady is to figure out what's the difference between a counterfeit and a real bill. What do you think they would teach you? What would they have you do? Um, probably, I don't know, examine a dollar bill really closely. That's exactly what they do. The first, oh like, wow. yeah, man, you nailed it. I mean, I wrote it on a Sharpie and I was holding it in front of you. I was like, wait, this see. seems too obvious to <laughs> say this. I would be tempted to think that the first thing they would do is go, here, is, here are great examples of counterfeits. Mm, I see what you're saying. The first thing that you do and for a significant period of time as the adage goes is they will put you in a room and all they will give you is real currency. $100 bills, $5 bills, uh, Sacagawea dollar coins maybe. I don't know. Uh, but, but what you do is you take the authentic, real, not counterfeit money and you just sit with it and familiarize yourself with it. You feel the texture, you smell it, you see all the different watermarks, stuff like that. And you do it so much so that the, that, that the very second someone puts a counterfeit in front of you, you almost don't even have to look at it. You touch it and you go, that is not real. And I think that's a, a way of seeing how we meditate on and memorize scripture. How we take what we say is genuine, reliable, inspired, all of those things, scripture, and we put it into real life. Because mm-hmm. we have to slow down and we have to be able to, to look at what is real, to touch it, to smell it, I guess, to close our eyes, to ask difficult questions about it. And then once we come across ideas or things in the world that push against even our own like inner inner thoughts or desires, and we stop and we go, all right, is this what God would want for me? It's very, very clear. And then at that point, we now have the the authority on God's word and the trust and the ability to some degree to go, I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what God says. I think those are, those are some really significant things. So just even 
to, to put that out there. I, I think meditating on scripture is slowing down, asking questions, preaching to ourselves, even when we don't, we don't believe it, like you're saying. And then I think just sitting and memorizing scripture, mm-hmm. letting it become a part of you. Yeah. Yeah. Do we gonna throw some else out there? I was going to say like approaching scripture more prayerfully too. Like mm. I remember professors telling us when we, when we approach scripture, to say a, a very short little prayer, like, God, would you please speak to me through your word? It's such a simple thing to say, but it really does put you into a mindset of, I'm not just reading a book. I'm like interacting with the words of God, the mm-hmm. creator of the universe. So there is, I feel like there really is something more supernatural that happens when you engage with him. You know, I'm not saying supernatural, like something mystical is going to happen, but you're really, I think you're going to hear God's voice in a more powerful, more meaningful way when you kind of have the awareness to stop and say, I've come to listen to God's voice rather than read a book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just even, yeah, there's a preparation of your own soul and mind. Cool. Well, I think um, that's a lot of Bible talk. From me, yeah, Dragon, and our the guest maker. co-host, the Ice Maker Bible Boy Brady. Uh, do you have anything else that you would like to add on the topic of reliability of the Bible, approaching the Bible, anything like that? No, man. I feel like if I were to start talking about that right now, everyone would just be like, "Stop this podcast!" And I would bore everybody to death. Why? Well, Travis sure laid not. it out really well, man. There's, I, like Matt said, there's great resources out there to mm-hmm. find with with great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, sweet. Thanks. Thanks for being on here, man. Thanks, Matt. Um, Thanks, if you're, everybody. If you're disappointed that this is coming out the day before Halloween and we're not talking about Samhain again, which is the old name for what we have derived Halloween from. <laughs> uh Bad news is that we're not going to talk more about it right now. Sorry. Good news is that we did a podcast on it this time last year. So if you want to know some thoughts on on Halloween from maybe a biblical perspective or even a historical perspective, uh, I think and, I think Nicole should be putting that on, on and social media. If you media. want to know what was what a jack o' lantern was before they carved pumpkins, go to Robert Beard and ask him what the Irish did with turnips. This <laughs> is. Is not prepared for that plug. Oh dear! Go All right, see I, Robert. Beard Thanks for listening, guys. The turnips. <laughs> Go talk to Robert. Beard. Love you guys.